Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. Good morning, Garfield Church. It's truly an honor to be with you all. Um, We've received so much love and care from Pastor Chip and Terry, um, and and so it's a privilege to be with you and share in God's Word. At our church, we like to stand for the reading of the Word, and so I invite you to uh, stand with me. We'll be in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, specifically verses 4 through 5. And we're preaching under the theme, reveal your mystery for the next generation. Reveal your mystery for the next generation. The word of God reads in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the people say, Amen. Amen. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to people in other generations as it has been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. We'll pray. Father, we we thank you for your word. We believe your word is alive and active. Father, your your word is a solution. It's exactly what we need. So we, we confess all the ways we've placed substitutions in the way of your precious word. And so, so today we, we want to have eyes to see, ears to hear, a spirit and a heart that is open to receive what the Spirit has for your church, for us. Father, would we not just be hearers of the word, word, but would we be doers? Would we put it to work in our own lives, in our households, and everywhere we go? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You, you may be seated. Reveal your mystery for the next generation. So a few years ago, my my best friend, Kimberly, she decided to take me to a mystery dinner, a murder mystery dinner. She did so because she knows I love crime scene investigations. And so on this cold day in March, she picked me up for this surprise because I also love surprises. And so there I was in this fancy ballroom having dinner, and suddenly this dinner turns into a murder mystery crime scene investigation. With every course, there was a new clue that was being revealed. And while somewhere between the coffee and the salad, very early on, I was completely lost. I was lost. I was lost because this required social interaction. I was lost because it required psychological introspection, mathematical calculations. The clues were not obvious. I found myself instead of attempting to solve the murder, laughing the entire night at my friend Kim as I saw her competitive side kick in. 
Surely I was not going to compete with Kimberly, who uh, instead of competing with her, I, I decided perhaps I'll just work with her, if not for her, to solve this mystery. You see, Kimberly is this Harvard graduate. Her IQ is typically not reflected on the normal curve. She's this Enneagram 8, an INTP, who's most likely a bright red on SDI, if you're familiar. Yeah, I, I simply decided to watch her, to watch her jump in the mystery almost as if it were true. I found myself throughout the night having to remind her, hey, Kim, you know this isn't real, right? <laughs> I instead marveled at her participation, at the way she kept notes desperately. You see, this sudden, deep introvert was interacting with complete strangers in this effort to win the grand prize. I realized that night that I love food far more than crime scene investigation, but more so the power, the power of being marveled by mystery. How wanting to see and discover the next step and the next clue from God in our lives can truly bring us joy. And it brings us joy only when we realize what the grand prize is and what lies ahead. I realize how closely this memory is to faith and how often we can miss out, church, on enjoying the mystery of God because we've lost sight of our heavenly reward. And the God who actually trusts us that we would wait on him, that we would wait on him for the next clue that we need in this also difficult life that we all live. You see, I, Kim was intrigued by mystery, amazed at how the pieces were being revealed. She jumped right in without a fear, without doubt. And as we look at the blueprints for the church through the book of Ephesians, you and I, we would be remiss. We, we would be negligent if we somehow skipped over Ephesians chapter 3 and did not pay attention to the mystery that Paul was called to. You see, this was the hill that Paul was willing to die on. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he describes all of the opposition that he went through. The opposition that he went through because he believed so much in the mystery and the power of the gospel. He says in this chapter, in 2 Corinthians 11, he says, I have worked much harder I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. I've received from Jews 40 lashes minus one. I've been beaten with rods. I've been peddled by stones, shipwrecked not once, not twice, but three times. And as I continue to list all of the opposition and all of the persecution that Paul described in 2 Corinthians, I wonder how we can relate at the opposition and persecution that this year and the years prior have brought us. He says, I've been constantly, constantly on the move. I've been in danger in the river. I've been in danger from bandits. I've been in danger not just from, from Gentiles, but also from Jews. I've been in danger in the city and in the country and at sea. I've been in danger from false believers. I've labored, I've toiled. I've gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I've been cold and I've been naked. And to, to top it all off, in addition, I face the daily pressures 
of all of the churches that I oversee. I don't know how we can relate to Paul's struggle and the fact that these trials and tribulations often take our all and our lack of awe for God as we face the reality of unanswered prayers, church. As we face the reality of problems in marriage and rebellion from our kids. And we get diagnoses like cancer and battle substance abuse and infertility and depression and anxiety as we care for ailing parents, as we face exhaustion from work that doesn't seem to ever go away. These momentary trials, as Paul lightly describes them, these momentary trials that are supposed to bring us joy have sometimes, sometimes feel like they've extended their stay. And because of that, sometimes we may lack wonder. And we would, might be disinterested in abiding. And I don't know if it's just me or all of us. We can be distracted from loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, and our neighbor as ourselves. But Paul was surely convinced. Paul was so convinced that the gospel was power. It was not one that would be preached through persuasion or wise words. He said it would be demonstrated through the power of the Spirit. Paul understood his assignment and the people to whom God had called him because the mystery that he discovered was birthed out of deep, deep revelation. So I come to tell you that if we want to experience the mystery of God, it oftentimes comes through deep revelation. It was Jesus Christ himself who revealed himself to Paul. It was Jesus Christ who made himself known to Paul to share the good news of the gospel. This man, like you and me, was once a persecutor of the church. This man, however, received this revelation, and I don't know if you can relate, this deep, this divine, this personal encounter that called him to be in all of Jesus Christ. And not just in all of Jesus Christ, but in all of his mission that God would place in his hands. And so what was the mission? This is the mission. This is the mystery. It was that the good news of the gospel wasn't just that Jesus died and Jesus resurrected and he would save us from the condemnation of sin. It was far more than that. It was that Jesus was this unifying force. It was that Jesus, that, that the gospel it was not just good news for the Jew, but it was also good news for the Gentile. This was his thesis. This was his mission. This was his sermon for generations to come, for posterity to hear, for us to preach about on a Sunday in November in 2022. It was this. And we find it in Galatians 3.28 that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. Can we praise God for this? Nor is there male nor female, that we are all one in Jesus Christ. And how beautiful this news. How beautiful when it, when it is birthed out of mystery and revelation. When God decides to heal our land because it's through moments of deep call that we desire it more than anything else. When we're longing, you and me longing for God. When we're thirsty and hungry for his presence. When we pray for a new encounter so much that we begin to discover a new move of God for this time and for this age and for this hour. 
How beautiful when it's because we've humbled ourselves before the Father. When we're seeking him in prayer. When we're not just seeking him, we're seeking his face. We're desperate and thirsty for the, for the righteousness of God, for the kingdom of heaven to be made known here today with us. So much so that we desire to turn from our wicked ways. Our wicked ways don't even interest us anymore because we are in deep pursuit following Jesus. Maybe then you and me, maybe then we can discover our life's purpose. That mission that God has given you and me. Maybe then we'll, we'll hear from heaven, experience forgiveness, experience healing. You see, Paul understood the person, the place, the thing, the specific people group that he was called to. He knew the strongholds of his generation and of his community. Just recently, someone I was talking to said, Lumar, any great leader who is called to a specific generation and a specific community needs to understand the strongholds of that community so that they would pray. You see, he understood it in that time more than ever, even more than today, there needed to be this mystery and one of inclusion, that the gospel was one for everyone. Through his obedience, through his drive, today you and me, Gentiles, not Jews, can experience salvation, the joy of salvation. How many are grateful for the joy of salvation? You see, this was an unleashing of good news to all people. This was a movement experienced through freedom because it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Paul's message to his generation was that this good news existed beyond family of origin. This good news existed beyond circumcision. This good news existed beyond dietary restrictions. It even existed beyond the law of Moses and into the law of Christ that would call us to carry each other's burdens. Paul wasn't just any apostle. He was proudly an apostle to the Gentiles, a commissioner of all people, a revolutionary expanding the gospel across lands, empowering people to be free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This was new news, church. Brand new. This mystery of inclusion had never been revealed in generations prior as we read in Ephesians 3, 4, 5. This mystery wasn't revealed to Abraham or Moses or Isaac. It was being revealed then and now through Paul and his mystery and his ministry because of Jesus Christ. His message was like that of, of Esther for such a time as this. His message was that like of, of Jesus when he stands in the synagogue and he says in Luke chapter 4, I have been anointed, anointed to proclaim the good news to the prisoner, to set free the freedom, uh, to, to provide freedom to the prisoner, to set and recover free um, those who are blind, to set the oppressed free and to preach the good news of the hour and the day and the year of the Lord's favor. And yet Paul had a unique way of honoring his predecessors and the people before him. Because ultimately the God he was preaching was still the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. But that mystery, this mystery we see revealed in Ephesians chapter 3, 
was for a new day. It was for a new age. It was for a new way. It was freedom, not through law, but through Jesus Christ himself. And church, I, I come to tell you that I think there's still more to be revealed. There is still more to be revealed. And I wonder what is the mystery of God that he will reveal through you and through me for the next generation? Or have we been so lost? Has the church been so lost in the statistics about Gen Z and millennials that we've forgotten that there is power in revelation, <laughs> that there is power in mystery, that we've forgotten that through the ages and through all times, God has kept this faithful remnant for himself, that the church of Christ is and will always be the most powerful institution that has ever existed in the history of mankind. I wonder, Garfield Memorial, if that remnant is here. And I wonder if we can pray as Paul did for the church of Ephesus. Pray for a new revival. Pray for a new encounter. Pray for a new experience. Experience for the presence of God for this next generation. Would you, would me, would we be apostles of the mystery of the gospel that still stands true today and not cease, as Ephesians says, don't cease to give thanks, remembering others in our prayers. Would we be apostles of the mystery of this great gospel and good news that we would ask Christ to dwell in the hearts of our children and our children's children through faith? that they would be rooted in love, that they would be grounded in love, that they would be set up in the ways of the Lord, that they would be like the little children that Jesus said, let the little children come to me and let nothing hinder them. Would they be set up and trained up to begin to comprehend the breadth, Ooh, the length, the height, the depth of Christ's love for us? Would we be, you and me, apostles of the mystery of the gospel so that God would do in this age, in this time, and even praying into the future so that he would do, as Ephesians tells us, that he would do more abundantly than we ask or can even imagine. And church, through the ages, there have always been symbols, signs of the wonder and the mystery of God of the encounter and covenant of, of God revealing himself to man. In Genesis chapter 1, we see the, the symbol of a rainbow coming out of a, of a flood. God's promise that he would never flood the earth completely again as he did in that time. It was a covenant, a symbol for all ages and for posterity to see. In Exodus chapter 16, look at this beautiful moment. When the Lord tells his people, take manna. Take manna, that same manna, that bread that I provided for you in the desert, when you had nothing to eat, when you were absolutely no one, when you felt forgotten. And I wonder how we can uh, ascribe that to our lives today. The, the provision, the faithfulness, the goodness, the gratitude that we can experience to God. He said, take that manna, that symbol of all that I am. Take that manna, that symbol of how I can provide for you, and I want you to put it in a jar. I want you to seal it real tight. I want you to preserve it so that the next generation would experience and know the story of a good and faithful 
God. Till today, still today, we see the symbol of the cross. A, a, a sign of, of God's provision for us through Jesus Christ, redemption of our sins. The fact that, that we have hope through him and there's a heavenly place waiting for us. And so I wonder today, what is our symbol? What is your symbol? What is the sign? What is the legacy that we'll leave behind? And we, when we look at, 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 at legacy, this is the beauty. The beauty is that God uses unlikely vessels every single time. The Lord goes to Ananias regarding Paul in Acts chapter 9, and he says, Hey, you see that man, Paul? I, I want you to, to grab him, to choose him. He's my chosen instrument to proclaim my name. Paul, or Saul, who was then a criminal, a persecutor, an enemy of Christ. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul begins to, to talk about that call to the Gentiles, to that beautiful gospel that he was called to. And he says, hey, this was done in my mother's womb. It was, he called me through grace in my mother's womb and was pleased. And when I then later revealed that, understood that assignment, and when I then later encountered the presence of God and the mystery for me and for my people, when I discovered it, look at what he says, I immediate, my immediate was, response was not to consult any human being. I thank God that calls are personal. I thank God that, that call, God begins to, to, to call us even today, apostles, teachers, pastors, prophets for tomorrow and that he does it uniquely in our hearts you see paul understood the mystery like my friend kim he marveled by it so much that he considered himself the least he says i am the least among sinners and like him we you and me we have a duty a duty to make it plain a duty to make it plain and clear to everyone who we encounter. Ephesians 3, 8 and 9 says, Make it plain to everyone, the administration of this mystery, that we would testify the good things that God is doing in you and through you for the next generation to know. And this is true regardless of your current situation. You see, Paul considers himself an ambassador in chains. But as he writes this letter, as he encourages the church, he himself was in chains, unable to go, and so he sends a message of hope. And so God calls us today, calling us to wonder, calling us to be in awe of his goodness and his grace calling us to desire and long for not just manna for today, but manna for the next generation. I invite you to stand to your feet as we pray and we take in the message of God for us today. Good Father, we, we thank you that you've made yourself real to us. And if we've come into this place searching, Father, we confess how much we need your revelation. You're a God who reveals himself directly to mankind. We can hear your voice. We can sense your spirit. 
We can find you when we're lost. And, and so, Jesus, I, I pray for a deep desire, deep longing for you. For you and not the added things. For you. For your face. For your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. For us not to just long for it for ourselves, but to be mindful of those who come next. And be light, beacons, ambassadors, vocal, boldly, proclaiming what you've done in us so that others may experience it too. So that others would fall in love with Jesus because we're so in love with you. That others would befriend you because, because you're just our best friend and we have nothing else to talk about but the things that you've done in our lives. That others would come and wonder and awe and ask, what is it about the grace and the peace and the truth and the love and the grace that spills over to overflow, Jesus, in our lives? We pray for that deep, deep, deep encounter in these next few days. Father, I pray that you would reveal yourself in our dreams, that people would approach, approach us with, with what we need to hear, that we would open scripture, that would that be the first place we would open scripture, and would you speak to us through your word? Father, I pray shifting in Jesus' name in places where we've been distracted, hallelujah, in relationships that don't belong to us, in spaces where we've been searching and, and, and distracted completely from the will of God, would you completely detour us? A 180 to your will, to your plan, to your way. Would you do it like you did with Paul? Father, would we testify in these next days, man, there's, there's just been something. God's been up to something. God is up to something, and we are in the middle of his move. Father, would we see you? Would we see you and sense it? Would we be not blind to the move of God in front of us, Lord? To the way you're protecting, to the way you're providing, to the way you're guarding our home, protecting our children, raising up future leaders. Would we see it? Would we celebrate it? And we would pray into it for today and for tomorrow and forevermore, we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.